Welcome to the Hairdryer Treatment Podcast, powered by Kevin Grogan Soccer, Soccer Coffee and much more. Welcome to the show this week. Delighted again to have Sean Kenny back with us. It's been a massive success having him on the show. Um, we've done three different shows. This is the fourth one. We're going to talk about kind of how to become a professional, particularly if you're an American player trying to maybe go to Europe, trying to play in MLS. How does that look? How hard is it? What is the standard like? and so on it's it's uh, a really really interesting piece and um, again thank you to all the listeners last week we had over 5,000 listeners globally which we're very happy with really appreciate it some good questions coming in every week as well um, so hope you enjoy the show after the break the hairdryer treatment podcast is proudly sponsored by Rezzle Rezzle is the market-leading, academically validated VR training and cognitive development tool for elite football and is already installed at world-leading clubs. Rezzle.com Hi Sean, welcome back to the show. Thanks Kevin, how's it going? All good, hanging in there, crazy times. Yeah, for terrible. My heart goes out to all the people in New York. It's uh, we seem to be at the the center of the whole coronavirus thing of the world right now. Yeah, I think it's because there's just so many people here in such a small area that it's just spreading. And I, I think a lot of people are listening to the guidelines. But does, is there some areas, uh, Sean, that maybe people aren't? Uh, I'm sure it, it, some of the places it's hard not to, Kevin. In, in New York, we're just. Uh, we're sitting on top of each other, you know, even if the hard, the hard, as hard as you try, it's nearly impossible. But yeah. I think for the most part, it, it's working and people seem to be doing it the right way. So hope to God that uh, it all ends soon. Yeah, the governor, Como, who's been on TV every day, I think he's been saying that there seems to be some kind of flattening of the curve. So um, hopefully there's just some light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, it was, uh, it was good news at last. I think we need yeah. more of that because... Uh, the media is killing us. It's so stressful. You know, it was funny with the media because I was listening to a great interview with um, Shane Lowry, the, the very well-known Irish golfer, um, yeah. yesterday. And he's currently based in Florida. Um, and they were kind of asking him, you know, where is it at in America and so on. And he made the great point that, you know, you turn on Fox News and everything's great and Trump is brilliant. You turn on CNN news and they hate Trump and the world's coming to an end. And it's, it's crazy in America, the, the difference in the news channels. You, you don't know what to believe. The divide is awful. And in a time like, to, like this, everybody should be pulling together. Um, but, but, I mean, that's politics. And they always kind of, both those channels want to bring politics into the news all the time. And I think that's wrong. But, hey, it is what it is. I've been flat out listening to RTE news, so there, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's our, yeah, that, that's our Irish news for our American. I'm the same. I try to get a an Irish view of America, so I, I yeah. tend to listen to the to that as well. Yeah, it seems like they're doing a good job over there. So, Sean, today we're going to talk about um, something interesting, and it's a, a lot to talk about. We're kind of. A lot of American players want to become professionals. Obviously, a lot of people have that kind of dream. And a lot of them want to play in Europe rather than maybe playing here. They should have that dream. I think, I mean, 
I'm 60 years old and I still dream of playing for Barcelona. So, well, I, I speak with people with <laughs> toilet paper, so I think you have a chance. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, but it's um, so just to start off with um. I suppose talking about the level, because I think some players in America maybe underestimate the level of like high level professional soccer in Europe. Like how good are these top players playing in the premiership, playing in La Liga? Like just how good are they and what's the kind of difference? I always say to young kids, you know, when a, when a kid in our club comes to me and says, I, I want to go professional. And I, I think the, you know, I, I always tell them, you can run just as fast as, as that top guy. You can dribble just as good. You can shoot probably just as hard. But the, the hardest part is the mental part of the game and, and thinking quickly. And uh, that's, it's not that the game gets, you know, that you have to be stronger or faster or more technical. You just have to be able to think a lot, lot quicker. And I think that's a huge mistake that players don't understand that. That as the game goes up, the, as the level goes up, the thinking goes up. And that, that's, that's what they'll be missing. Yeah, it's definitely the speed of play and that decision hey, making. That was what I was looking for, the speed of play, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because, listen, we've both coached a lot over here, youth level, adult level. And even we, we've talked before about, say, the Cosmopolitan Soccer League in New York, which is a really good standard. And like you look at some of the, say, the best players in that, and, you know, Technically, they're very good. They're super fit. They can get around the pitch. And some of them find it hard to understand why they never got that chance to the higher level. But it's these top players can... Nearly the game slows down for them the higher level they go, where some players that maybe aren't good enough, it comes a bit frantic for them as the levels go up. Yeah, you, you could see it like if, if, uh, if you were training tomorrow, if, if, if a kid from my club was training tomorrow at Manchester United and he jumped into a, a 5v2, he'd never touch the ball. Never touch it, yeah. you know. So I think that that's kind of uh, where you're at a little bit. But look, there, there's various degrees of professionalism. There's, uh, are you Cristiano Ronaldo or one of those guys making millions? Or are you this guy just making a living, making, you know, three or $400 a week? So it depends what professionalism is there's very few of those top top level players now would you say that like the the pro clubs at all different levels would would like do you think they're looking at american players in general or do you think maybe maybe some are a bit ignorant towards the level here or maybe are they right that the level isn't you know as good and there aren't as many players that can make the grade over there absolutely not i think uh, i think we're on the the verge of uh, becoming a world power. Um, look, the, the, uh, you can dog the MLS, but that's because we're saturated with the English Premiership or La Liga, or, you know, you're comparing it to the Bundesliga. But, you know, the, the great league, there's some great leagues in Europe that don't compare to those leagues, whether it's the Dutch league, the Belgian league, the, the Scottish league, you know, and these leagues are, I would say, inferior to MLS. So there's a lot of good stuff happening in American soccer. And then if you look at, you know, fellows that have recently gone overseas from the New York area, Gio Reina is, what is he, 17 years of age, and he's already played for Borussia Dortmund. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Tyler Adams is from the New York area. He starts for Leipzig. There's uh, Tim, Timmy Weyer, right? He played at Gachi, and he's at Lille. Yeah. So there's, there's lots of success stories. We could go on and on. It is happening, and they are making inroads. So it's working here. 
it'll take some time, but it is it is happening. Yeah, Tyler Adams is an interesting one. I, I watched him play for the Red Bulls many years ago. Lots of talent and potential. And then there was Matt Miazga, um, who played centre-back yeah, for the Red that's Bulls. that's right. He's a Jersey guy, right? Yeah, which is very interesting because you now he went to Chelsea. I think they bought him for three million, which is isn't that much money in in the way football is at the moment. And the minute they brought him in, they sent him out in loan. Um, but that's a great opportunity for him to go over, get experience of being around Chelsea, go out on loan um, to maybe what you'd call lesser clubs, get that ex- European experience, and then maybe come back and play in the Premiership. So he's obviously proved that you know players over here are good enough. You know, yeah. And probably, uh, I don't know what his contract is, but probably making a good living out of it. You yeah, know, definitely. Course, yeah. The greatest success story is Christian Pulisic. Yeah. You know, what, what did he, $70 million or something? He went to Chelsea and he's still only a kid. He's 21 or so. So he'd be, he would be like a, you know, a college junior or a college senior here making whatever he's making. Obviously, he's a, he's a millionaire now. So there, there's a lot of success stories. Now, do you think, um, like from my experience when I played in England, I, I left at 15 and went full time. There was always this big argument, well, like back in Ireland, well, finish your leaving certain, then go. The issue become, two issues with that is, does the club come back in for you when you're 18? You don't, just don't have a crystal ball to know what's going to happen in that period. And two, the other argument is, well, you're missing two or three years of high quality education in the game. Do you, like how hard is it for an American to go full time, or to just commit a family to commit to going to Europe when their kid is sixteen years of age? It's a massive commitment, isn't it? It's a huge commitment, and I think uh, the culture here in America doesn't allow that. Most parents here are geared towards uh, having their kid playing college, which in a way is a good thing. Uh, if if this kid is super super special and he can bypass college and go to Europe or whatever, then God bless him, go ahead. But I think the, the old, uh, the culture thing here is dragging you into a college situation and get your education and play soccer and train every day and play at a decent level. And that, that's probably a way to go for most kids in this country. And that's, yeah, that's probably a good thing because they get an education. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, of course it is, yeah. And obviously then, like, you know, Parents ask me all the time about this, about going to England or going to Europe, European leagues. I mean, obviously now going to Europe, like you have to have an EU pa- passport or access yep. to a work permit. So it becomes complicated. So there is an element of, of European clubs looking and saying, okay, the standard is getting a lot better. They have some great players like Pulisic and Miazga, but they're the elite of the elite. For that player who might be very good, but there's a bit of a question mark over. They're probably not taking the risk because there's so much that goes into making it happen. Is that right? Yeah, it is right. It's, uh, it's tough. And, and Look, th- there's plenty of opportunities here, even in this country. If you can make it to the MLS or, and you can keep your education going, or if you, you know, forgo your college education and you're brought along like the Tyler Adams kind of situation where you're brought into the, Red Bull Academy, you go through the system a little bit, you end up in the Red Bull first team after coming up through their academy, and then you can make the jump overseas. I don't think the jump is that big then. So that's kind of a breeding ground as well. Yeah, that's a great point. So you're basically saying to the kid who has them aspirations, well, get your education here at a pro club, maybe develop mentally, develop physically, 
and get your experience and then try and make the jump then because you're more prepared for it. Correct, correct. And I think if you look at the academies here, they're doing it the right way. And then if you can get into an MLS type setup, then, then you're, you're, you're prepared. You're prepared for what to come overseas. And that's, I think that's in essence what Tyler Adams did. And people were talking about him for a couple of years before he made the move. Yeah, and there's, look, there's plenty of players here that have made their career in the US and have done really well. So, you know, th- that can work as well. You don't have to go overseas to, to make it. You know, I think lots of fellas uh, came through the system here and are in the MLS doing quite well. Now, there'll be a few kind of local players, uh, younger players, particularly in the Gotchi Academy, which is based in Queens. Uh, I know Matt Rattacchio recently signed for Liverpool, um, which is obviously a big move for him. Um, Jack McGlynn, who I believe you've watched play. Yeah. He's a lot of talent, that young kid. He, he's, I think he's in Philly Union. And That's right. He, That's right. Uh, is he playing on the national team as well? Yeah. Yeah. He's involved with the US national team. And they, I think they signed him to a pro deal recently, the Philly Union. But there again, the, the setup, you know, where the Philly Union uh, can put you up, can have you training every day, can top class facilities, top class coaching. Um, there's a young kid that's getting all that. And, you know, God bless him. If, if and when he goes overseas, which I'm sure he will, he's on the right path, that uh, he's prepared for that, you know. And the Philly Union, I'm sure, are signing and professional if he plays in the first team, great. And if he can, if they can move him on, they're looking for some money, and that's great too. So, it's a it's a win win for him. And what about a player kind of like him that, um, I believe his father is Irish. You know, he was born in America. He's he would be eligible to play for either or internationally. You know, if you're lucky enough and good enough to have those options, and I know there's been a lot of talk about this in Ireland because we've had a lot of. English-born players that have played for Ireland, some that would say, no, I'm Irish because I grew up in an Irish family with an Irish culture. Others have kind of jumped ship a tiny bit when it got to the senior international age. How, how do you make that decision? Look, both you and I grew up in Ireland and we're, we've been saturated by the English Premier League. And if you look at kids uh, trying to make it in Ireland, obviously they make the jump to England. Very few Irish kids make the jump to the MLS or to France or Germany. It always seems to be the, the English thing. So um, I, I would love Irish players to feel their way a little bit more and, and you know, make different inroads. And it's, it's the same for the kids in America. You would love, you know, an Irish background kid or a kid that qualifies for Ireland, to, you know, for Ireland to be looking at them. But we seem to, we seem to just want those kids from England. I, but that culture will change too. I hope it does, you know, and, and then we will benefit. Our country will benefit. Yeah, and kind of a bit off topic, but there was a webinar earlier today uh, with the North American Irish Coaches Association with Martin O'Neill, our former manager. Um, Martin would have, you know, played on the famous uh, Nottingham Forest team with the legendary Brian Clough and then became a successful manager. Um, do you have any memories of... Martin O'Neill, you would as a manager, but what about when he was a player? Do you remember him playing? Yeah, well, nobody knows this, Kevin, but I'm a Nottingham Forest fan. So, well, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Martin O'Neill was probably one of the one of my heroes back in the day. Um, 
and yeah, had a successful coaching career and uh, after a very successful playing career. And I think a very smart man. He was, I won't say successful, probably with the Irish national team, but uh, I mean, his coaching record stands for itself. He had, I mean, he had a, he obviously qualifying for the European Championships yeah, and yeah, campaign yeah. yeah, um, with that. And, you know, with the Nottingham Forest team, because just for our American listeners, they probably wouldn't understand the history of that in terms of what they achieved. Explain a bit about, like, they started in the second division, got to the first, won it, and then their European success. Like, explain that to our listeners and also just how big that success was. Well, to, you know, uh, two European Cups, which is basically the Champions League. Um, back to back. Yeah, but any, t- any team in the Premiership would bite your arm off right now if they could win the Champions League. So they achieved it twice with a team basically of uh, English, Irish, Scottish players. They had no, they didn't have the money that the bigger clubs had and they didn't have the players probably that the bigger clubs had. But uh, they played a great brand of soccer and they kind of introduced me as to how the game should be played. And I sort of grew up with that a little bit and brought that to my coaching philosophy. And uh, you know, kids, sometimes kids, you know, obviously here as well, they're saturated with the English Premiership and kids will say, well, what team did you follow when you were a kid or what team do you like? And I'll always say, well, you know, Manchester United, because no one had ever heard of Nottingham Forest. And, yeah. uh, you know, kids growing up today probably don't, you know, in the worlds of Liverpool and Barcelona and Real Madrid, nobody's ever heard of Forest, but uh yeah, um, I'm just waiting for them to get promoted so people can uh, rekindle that flame a little bit and start liking them all over again. Now, just kind of going back to kind of the, the going pro bit, um, you know, we talked about it before, I think last year when you were on the show, about you having your brother Mark who went over to Liverpool. And we talked briefly about kind of that experience and you know, how hard was it, say, for you as a family, now don't, to, for your brother to move away at a young age? I mean, and obviously going from Ireland to England now is such a short distance, not seeing, the world's a smaller place. But back then it was a big deal, wasn't it, for someone to move across to England? Yeah, think about it, Kevin. No cell phones, no FaceTime, yeah. no computers, no, you know, you might have even had, you probably didn't even have a phone in your house. And uh, yeah. so I can remember those nights, you know, of uh, trying to contact my brother. And you had to write letters, you know. So, yeah, yeah, I remember uh, that. that. That was sort of your, your only contact. So if, if our mark was in Liverpool and my parents were home and they had no control over him, absolutely no control. So he was free. And here he was, this 16-year-old who'd never been out of the country, basically, living all of a sudden on his own and having to become a man overnight. And they talk about kids in America going off to college and growing up. Well, try being a 15, 16-year-old kid coming from Ireland and being thrown to the wolves in England growing up. You grow up very, very quickly. Yeah, and I mean, the reason I ask that is because, you know, when we talk to parents over here and players that are desperate to kind of try and go across to Europe, I don't think they realise you know, how hard it is and how homesickness plays a part and um, how are you going into a very cutthroat world very quick at a young age. Like We're both involved in a 2004 team in different clubs. 
those kids are like 15, 16 years of age. Like, yeah. to think for some of them, from fend for themselves, they're so young, yeah, aren't they? No, I, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, I watched my kids go off to college and never thought that they were ready. You just hope that they are. So they're going off at yeah. 18 years of age. And these kids going to England at 15 and 16, it blows my mind. And, you know, not only are they out there on their own, but they're, there's no talk of education. There's no talk of, well, what happens if you don't make it? There's no talk of any kind of support system. I think it's a lot better now. But back then, there, was, back is, then yeah. there wasn't. You were just, hey, you went training for a couple of hours in the morning. That's it. And all, you know, and the downtime can be dangerous as well. I always refer, you know, with our old four teams, Kevin, I'm sure you've been involved where you go to tournaments and you play a game at eight o'clock in the morning. You're not, your next game is not till tomorrow. So now from 10 o'clock yeah. till tomorrow, the next game, what do you do to keep those guys occupied? And that, that was always a thing that scared me as a head coach that you're responsible for all these players and there's so much downtime. Imagine being, imagine yeah. being away for years and the, the amount of downtime you've had. Absolutely. And I, it's amazing, like, as well, how quick some of these kids go. Like, these 2004 boys that I have, I mean, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'll say it anyway. The last tournament we went to, they all wanted to go to Hooters for yeah. a dinner. And, yeah. you know, you know, and like, and there's nothing necessarily, you know, wrong with Hooters or anything like that, but they're very young and, you know, innocent. You don't want to maybe expose them to what that uh, represents, you know. Um, but yeah, it's tough, you know, you've got to look after these kids. But as you said, when you go to England, particularly back in the day when your brother Mark went or when I went, you're just like really thrown in at the deep end, left to your own devices and it's sink or swim and uh, from a physical standpoint, a mental standpoint. And then socially, you're just, it's a free for all. Like, it's you know? terrible. It's terrible. And you, you, you hear the stories of, you know, you're able to walk into a pub at 16 years of age and start drinking and, uh, you know. Yeah. But I tell you what, our Mark became a great golfer. He was a great, he was a great <laughs> soccer player. But in his spare time, he learned how to play golf, and he's a, he's a great golfer now. So something good came out of it. Well, I must say, um, I played against Mark a few times when I was back in League of Ireland. I think he was at Rovers at the time. Absolutely brilliant player, and it, like anywhere around the box for a free kick, like yeah. you were guaranteed he'd probably yeah. score. And I, I remember we were on a thing uh, last week on Twitter for you know, giving your opinion on the top 10 uh, all-time League of Ireland players. And he definitely made my top 10. Very brilliant player, very technical, you know. So, um, yeah, good, very good career back home in League of Ireland he ended up having. I think most, and we talk about, you know, players wanting to play professionally. While Mark, you know, didn't make it at Liverpool, he, he had a wonderful soccer career. And, and there's a lot of players with that kind of story. And he would never give back those years and say, oh, I should have stayed in school or I should have went to university or I should have done this or I should have went to a, a less talented club or whatever. Um, there's all these excuses, but he's not going, he'll never turn around and say, I should never went there or I'd love those years back because it's, it's a yeah. wonderful experience. There's plenty of guys like that. One of your players, right, is in Germany from the Shamrocks. Um, Ethan, Ethan yeah, Evans, so yeah. Like a fellow like that, are you going to turn to Ethan and say, look, don't go, it's this and that and no no go why not go try it enjoy it and get the most out of it and when you're 40 years of age to say that hey i played here or i played in germany or i played in england it's, it's a great thing to have well ethan's a great example because ethan you know studied got his degree he's over in germany now he's a good job with a uh, travago the travel company he plays 
I don't know, it could be division division seven or eight. He gets a few dollars every week to play, but he's has a good job. He's playing a good level of football. He's experienced the culture and he's extremely happy. So that could be the answer for some players. Know your level and combine soccer with you know work and study and and that could be the route for a lot of these yeah, players. Yeah, it is, and it's it just shows you his love of the game and and there's lots of fellows like that that they've gone on somewhere and uh, stayed involved with the game. It's a, it's a great story. I mean, just going back to Mark, I remember uh, I was with UCD at the time and Paul Doolan, who's a very famous uh, player and coach back home, was our manager. And every time we played, I think it was Rovers at the time, the, the team talk was always, don't concede a free kick outside the box because Mark Kenny will always score. <laughs> so I, I'll never forget that. Um, but um, yeah, so we have a couple of questions actually. And um, what is this? Okay, so this is from Joe uh, up in Boston, can you talk about the one or two qualities you appreciate above all others when evaluating young players? Is it the technical ability? Is it the attitude? What do you look for most or what do professional teams look for most? I think technique. Technique is the, is the one thing players, you know, they'll, some coaches will say players are born with technique, but practice makes perfect and practice, practice, practice your technique. Uh, I think that's the one standout thing. As a national team's talent scout, which I which I am, uh, we don't look at size or we you know we it's technique is the first thing that that you want to stand out. So yeah, I'd have to say that because ultimately, if a player can't pass the ball from A to B or control the ball, nothing else Correct. matters really. Correct. We can get yeah. you fit, and your you, your body is what it is. If you grow tall or if you're small, that is what it is. But technique is. Uh, is the at the forefront is that and just on that is that a bit of an issue over here i find sometimes it is that some clubs or coaches at youth level and it probably this happens all over the world they are so obsessed with winning that they focus so much on getting that kid that is powerful and is strong and maybe bulldozes past people but maybe doesn't have that natural technical ability and is never really going to go anywhere in the game is that an issue at some goes back to what we spoke about last week the the pay to play if if you're paying to play, parents want to win right away. And sometimes it's easy to win with a, a terrible brand of soccer and it's easy to win with a big, physical, strong type of team. But if you're in a club where development is at the forefront, then I think the, the players will become better soccer players. You may not win at the younger ages, but at the end of the day, you'll have a better soccer player. Absolutely. So another question here, who's actually, who's act, it's actually from Ethan, who we just mentioned in Germany. Um, he listens every week. He's actually been on the show once. Um, it's a long-winded one. Um, of course it is. It's from if Ethan. You, yeah, it's from <laughs> Ethan. <laughs> we love Ethan, but Ethan likes to talk and uh, he'd be listening to this now and uh, laughing, but Ethan's a talker. But um I, I tell you a funny one actually to wind them up. Every time he rings me, we have great conversations. And uh, but um, I always pretend I'm going into a meeting <laughs> at the end so, so I can get off. I got to run in here. To meet. A great guy. Um, so his one is: if you have to pick from playing college soccer in America or going to college in Europe and playing amateur and semi-professional, um, or not play or not going to college at all, just focusing on playing amateur or semi-professional. 
um, which is the most likely to help you get an opportunity to go to the next level. So just kind of summed it up, like you, you can play college soccer in America, you could go to Europe in college and play some semi-pro, which would be the best avenue um, to the pro level? Obviously, to get into some sort of full-time training situation, uh, like a high-level club in Europe, training every day would be the obvious scenario. But I think as, as a kid, you, you need guidance. That 17, 18-year-old kid needs a little guidance. And you have to be straight up with the kid, whether it's your coach or your club coach or your parents, and say, hey, if you really think you're going to make it at, to, the, to the next level, then you know, go ahead and, and train every day and, and go off to Europe. But if, if you're, you know, uh, maybe I'm not that good, then, hey, uh, the go to college route. I doubt, I'm a big proponent of uh, education. So um, my kids, I, I mean, I have kids at that age, and that's what I would advise them. Go to college, and if you're lucky enough to, to, to be good enough to go on and play a pro career, there's no harm in that either, but at least you'll have your college education behind you. Yeah, I'd be kind of the same. I think education is important. It's something I kind of missed out on a bit. But um, and also, I think college in America, in particular, and probably everywhere, but like, and you know more than me with your kids going through it. Like, they probably made some lifelong friend friends in colleges and contacts and networks that can help them in well, the future. Yeah, that is your education. It's not just the classroom; yeah. it's the people you're with or the people you're going to meet. And I'll tell you my quick story. My life story was that, you know, I tried to make it in Ireland and I, I signed for Shamrock Rovers, never kind of made it and got the opportunity to come to America. And all of a sudden, here I am training every day, training with players from countries that I had probably never would have heard of growing up in Dublin and playing in great facilities and getting gear and stuff. And to me, that was as professional as I possibly could get. And I'm going to school at the same time. So I had a great college experience and I would advise most young players to go that route. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Sean, that's brilliant. Thanks for coming on again. And um, we'll be talking again next week, but really enjoying you being on the show. And thanks to all the listeners. We broke 5,000 with 5,000 and six listeners as of yesterday, which we're very proud of that. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Bye-bye. 